Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Welcome to this episode of Destination Everywhere. This is a special spotlight episode And we are going to talk about the top destinations for group travel. And for this episode, we have a wonderful guest. He is the owner of Concierge Travel, which is one of the largest LGBT travel agencies in the U.S. and founder and principal of Accendio, which is a boutique consulting firm specializing in leadership development, as well as what? Team building and effectiveness. So, Kim Gustafson, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to meet you, Todd, and thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to talk to you about a couple of different destinations, more in terms of the size of the group and then the destinations that you kind of place in some certain areas. One of your backgrounds is with the American Heart Association, and that's a quite a large organization and over 55,000 attendees. Tell us a little bit about what you did for the American Heart Association and some of the destinations that work best for a group that size, which is obviously a citywide large event. Yeah, so American Heart brought me in as outside contractor to work for them as an international concierge for their main meeting, annual meeting. And I did that for about eight years. I've studied seven languages. So it was at a transition period when the meetings were still, doctors were coming in from all over, not really computer literate a lot of times, not sure how to log in to get their emails while they were abroad et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was good friends with director of the American Heart Association at that time. So he invited me to come and work as an outside contractor. And I did that, like I said, for about eight years. And we did those large conventions in Anaheim, Chicago, Dallas, Orlando, and New Orleans. It was very interesting because the attendance at those events would very much depend on the location. So there were certain locations where the doctors wanted to bring their families or their spouses, New Orleans, Orlando, Anaheim, Dallas, Chicago, not so much when it came to actually being able to experience an old American city. There is nothing like New Orleans and they have convention center and the capacity in terms of hotels to actually host a convention that large. So was your role really to kind of help them entertain and plan activities and events for family that came and to keep them busy during the conference? No, 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 no. That was completely other separate divisions. I was in the meeting hall in a station set up there that was the international welcome desk, you could say. And as such, we assisted the doctors when they needed to log into their computers and figure out how to access their emails while they were abroad those kinds of things. Is it something that did the convention rotate cities? Yes, the convention. So they rotated cities. So there was a circulation of about six years when they would return to the different cities. New Orleans, of course, fell off a little slightly after Katrina. And around that time, I had actually been wrapping up my engagement with them. But for American conventions, those are the large cities that can actually hold that type of an event. 
So when you hit one of these cities and they say, okay, we're going to go to Anaheim, obviously we know Disneyland's in Anaheim and it's outside of LA, but what do you start looking for if they say, I want to do, okay, we have a large group. Now I need your help in finding something a little smaller within this group to make it just over the top special for an executive. What's kind of your process for that? And something to keep current. Everybody likes the latest and greatest, right? Nobody wants to repeat old tricks. So how do you find these unique spaces? A lot of it was happening before the internet, the wide range of availability then. So I would simply sit down and do research. I would call around. Today, I would absolutely utilize the internet to find those things. The thing I did for the pharmaceutical company was literally one dinner. So when we went to Anaheim, we had limos pick them up and we went down. We did a private cruise through the Newport Harbor for appetizers, hors d'oeuvres, cocktails, sunset cruise. Then we went to a local restaurant there. So I would simply really just do investigations and search and find what were either the top restaurants, what were the unique restaurants, what were the special things that you wouldn't think of normally when you attend a conference or a convention, something out of the ordinary. And I was going to say, back before we had everything at our fingertips, doing that kind of research, I mean, it just made or break an event. You really had to go deep and make a lot of phone calls to find out what was really, really special in that area. Obviously, now we've got so many tools we can access. Let's talk a little bit about your travel side. And this is the smaller groups, the really discerning traveler, the experienced traveler, and kind of what you do now to keep on top of your game with those guys. This is a group that's been all over the world, right? And you're now tasked with creating their next special experience. What are your recommendations? So first of all, I don't really do the planning for those anymore. I've been to some of them as a consultant. And it's normally, it's then local people that are setting it up. So when I was working in France with a pharmaceutical company, there is an organization there that has gone in with castle owners, owners of chateaus that can't quite afford the upkeep anymore. It's a financial burden for the family today. The state may not be as big as it once was, or it's been divided up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there is an organization that goes in and actually helps restore the castles and sets it up as convention facilities or as meeting facilities. They can usually host anywhere from 20 to sometimes 40 or 60 people have meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff. And that's a very, very special experience in Europe. I've done it in both France, in the Czech Republic. There are old manor houses and things like that. And they are usually some of the top food experiences you can have. I remember in France, the first time I was doing a retreat there, there was oysters on the buffet for breakfast. It's not something you expect to see for breakfast buffet. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> this is just my stuff. But then it was the local admin people usually that set those up. The ones that know it best. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do their own stuff. So that's Europe. I've been to one that was in outside of Mexico City. There's a city called Cuernavaca that has a bunch of old haciendas. It was a sugar mill town. And they've now restored that. And part of one of the sugar mills is actually an opera stage during the summers outside of Mexico City. And the restaurant is in one of the old ruins with 
trees growing out of it. They put on glass ceilings and all this. So there are incredible places like that. Those are, I would say, the unique experiences that a couple or family wouldn't necessarily be looking for. But for a group of 10, 20, 30, 40, there are some incredible places like that to find. Let's go down to like your top three. I mean, as well-traveled as you are, what are three destinations for a small group under 20 that you've experienced that you said, I would do this again? If it was in North America. So let's do North America separate from outside of that. North America, I would definitely go back and look at the haciendas in Mexico, outside of Mexico City. Cuernavaca, like I said, that was a phenomenal experience. The way they set it up is for the four-day meeting we had, there was a different restaurant or a different location for lunch and dinner each night. So you got to experience different parts of this old hacienda and the ruins. It was quite amazing. I would also look at Puerto Vallarta. We do an annual in the travel agency, we do an annual retreat at a villa in Puerto Vallarta, Villa Verano, which is a private estate, four acre estate, right on the main beach. It's the original house was owned by the Macy's. It was the Macy family's winter residence in Puerto Vallarta. When the owner who just bought it, I met him. And when I first rented it, we talked about the history He talked about when he had first bought it, he walked into one of the owner's closets and there were still long negligees and coats and things hanging with the original price tags from the original Macy's store in the closet. They're not really set up for meetings, although it could be. Their living room space is an open area, open air, but that would be a wonderful retreat. They do a lot of weddings and all that kind of stuff. And you can scale that. So the main villa has a total of 11 bedrooms. Then there is another four villas on that four-acre property, so you can scale it to up to 22 bedrooms. That sounds gorgeous, actually. That sounds really nice. Yeah, it's a short trip from the United States. From Houston, it's a two-hour flight. From LA, it's not much further than that. So it's an easy destination to get to. And Puerto Vallarta Botanical Gardens was just voted the top third of the top 10 botanical gardens in North America. Then, of course, you can do things like whale watching, depending on the season, get a private yacht. If it's not whale season, go out and see other things. There are hikes you can do to waterfalls. You can go zip lining. There's multiple things of activities you can do there, which may be a little bit more suited for a younger executive retreat. All that eco travel, keeping them busy and moving. Absolutely. And it's not just eco. I mean, they can bring in massage therapists, they spa people and all that. And plus, the city of Puerto Vallarta is one of the friendliest cities in North America. Well, how do you feel about ships and cruises for travel? Well, for travel, if you're on a vacation, it's great. It also attended conferences on there. And that's one of the things that's not often known is that most cruise lines and I actually don't know any cruise ship that does not have meeting spaces on board and they can scale them. If you have a really large one, the largest ships, Allure of the Seas, Oasis of the Seas, and I forget what the third one is. The Navigator? Nope. That's the class underneath. There's one new in that's Odyssey of the Seas, maybe. I think it's Odyssey. They hold about 5,600 passengers with crew. You've got 
eight, 9,000 people on board and their theaters can hold several thousand people. Absolutely. And those, would you do a buyout of the ship for a large group or would you use it in conjunction with a leisure cruise with other travelers? Well, that's the thing is, depending on the size, it's Royal Caribbean themselves do some of their own sales meetings on board and they, of course, buy out the ship. It's interesting because you can usually get a better rate as a group versus a full ship charter. So again, you could do a meeting from 10 to 20 and you could do a three day, you could do a 14 day, wherever you'd want in the world. And they have special meeting facilitators and divisions set up to handle that. Well, Kim, I love the suggestions for the ships and different ideas of what we can do on them. If our listeners want to follow Extendio and learn a little bit more about what you guys do and other destinations being offered as well as concierge travel, where can they find you? So the consulting firm is Accendio and it's A-C-C-E-N-D-E-O.com online. I'm also on LinkedIn and you can find me there, Kim Joachim Gustafsson. I live in Houston. In terms of the travel agency, like I said, most of our work is with LGBTQ travel and vacations. And that is concierge travel, spelled like a hotel concierge and then travel. And then the important part, which is .cc, .charliecharlie, not .com. If you get .do.com, you'll get two lovely ladies up in New Jersey (laughs) that have absolutely nothing to do with us and probably sometimes wonder why they get calls or emails asking about gay travel. But yeah, that's where they can find me. Also, we're on, I'm personally on LinkedIn. We have for the agency as well as we have Facebook account and we do have Instagram as well. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today on Destination Everywhere. Again, thank you for this spotlight episode. It's very enlightening. And for our listeners, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast app or visit us at www.destination-everywhere and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Destination Everywhere Podcast. So thank you again, and we look forward to speaking with you next time. So safe travels. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit www.americanmeetings.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.